Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. Welcome to Game of Books podcast, Corks and Conversation. We are so excited to be talking with award-winning author Hank Philippi Ryan. We kicked off season two of our podcast, Game of Books, with a discussion of The Murder List, her current book that's out right now. And now we get to talk to the author herself. And Kathy, would you like to do the introduction? Oh, it would be my honor. It is our pleasure to welcome, like we said, award-winning author Hank Philippi Ryan. Hank is the on-air investigative reporter for Boston's WHDH-TV. She's won 36 Emmys, 14 Edward R. Murrow Awards, and dozens of other honors for her groundbreaking journalism. She is also a nationally best-selling author of 11 mystery novels. She's won prestigious awards for her crime fiction, five Agathas, three Anthonys, the Daphne, two McCavities, and the coveted Mary Higgins Clark Award. That's a mouthful, Kathy. (laughs) I know. I'm already exhausted. Uh, National reviews have called Hank a master at crafting suspenseful mysteries and a superb and gifted storyteller. Her novels have been named Best Thrillers of the Year by the Library Journal, New York Post, BookBub, Sugar, and Real Simple Magazine. Her newest book is the acclaimed standalone psychological thriller, The Murder List. CNN named it the ultimate beach read, and the library journal, Rave, starred review called it a riveting must-read. Hank, we are so happy to talk to you today. I'm so delighted to be here. It's such fun to listen to that introduction. You know, I'm sitting here in front of my computer in my office revising my new book for next year. And, you know, I'm in one of those writing days where I think, oh, no, this is never going to work. <laughs> so you two are, are it's so reassuring to hear you two um, reminding me that sometimes it does work. So this is the perfect timing. I thank you so much for inviting me and for making my day be so much better. Oh, that is oh, so thank great. You. So before we get into the conversation, which we're so excited about, Christy, tell us what wine we're drinking today with our conversation. Sure. As our mysterious foodies know, Kathy's in South Dakota and I'm in South Florida. And today we add a third location. Um, Hank, I believe you're in Massachusetts. Yep, I'm right outside of Boston. All right. So um, if you two haven't already, go ahead and open your wine while I tell everyone how we were able to be drinking the same wine, which is the Llama Malbec. So we ordered these bottles to be delivered from Universal Fine Wine and Spirits. They ship just about everywhere, and now we can all taste the, test the same wine. And if any of your listeners want to join and taste some of our wines, you can order them from UniversalFWS.com and get a $5 off your first order using the coupon code Game of Books. That's one word, Game of Books. So, you guys ready to take a test and uh, see if they, this matches our tasting notes here? <laughs> oh, Go ahead. I'm more than ready. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a modern wine with attractive dark cherry red color with violet hues. The nose shows great intensity. Fruity aromas of cherries, blackberries, and plums stand out against the background of a fine toasty hints from aging in top quality oak. Warm, 
rounded and well-structured on the palate with an explosion of fruit flavors underscored by light oaky notes and a pleasant persistent aftertaste. So what do you think? <laughs> I think you just described my book, right? Warm, <laughs> rounded, and well-structured, you know, with a persistent note. I think that's good. I think that's good. Right. I've loved, I've loved Lama Malbec for a long time. Um, as a matter of fact, it's been one of my favorite wines for a while. And Lisa Gardner and I bonded over it. We were having... Um, we were at a con- convention together, and we sneaked out to have dinner, and we were talking about wine, of course, and mm-hmm. um, I told her that Lama Malbec was one of my favorites, and she ran right out and got it, so now it's one of Lisa Gardner's favorites, too, oh, so great. we can toast her as well. She's okay, such, such a marvelous author and such a marvelous friend, so oh, we can great. think of her as well. All right, do you like cheers. it? How do you like it? I, I like it. What do you think, Kathy? I think it's great, and my I, I really... Um, you know, when you take it, taste it, it really is a big flavor right away. But it's just n- nice and smooth at the end. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be a fan too. Oh no! And I think this is just a sipper. <laughs> yeah, this is a <laughs> sipper as well awesome. as with a. It can stand up against a nice hearty meal, so we can do whatever we want with it. We'll have we'll have exactly, to, yeah exactly. we'll have to talk to Lisa Gardner sometime too and share it with her. I'm sure she'd adore too. I'm sure she'd love to. We can all we can all sit all back together. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> okay, so now that we have a glass of wine in hand, um, I'm going to start asking you the hard hitting questions. Uh oh, I think yeah. you should make okay. them warm, rounded, and well structured. <laughs> I know. Actually, they probably will be, but I just wanted to be like an investigative reporter with you a little bit. And... Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> Run away! <laughs> so um, last week we um, talked on our podcast. Um, we have a writer's perspective section, and we talked about how authors approach the book writing process, and that naturally leads me to ask you the same thing. Um, how did you come up with the idea for the murder list? And then how do you approach approach putting that idea into a book? Oh, my golly. You know, I isn't that the question of the universe? <laughs> I think the process of being a writer is um, fascinating and almost really inexplicable. I mean, Sue Grafton used to call it the magic. Because to sort of untangle all of the puzzle pieces to just smash a metaphor there mm-hmm. um, is really fascinating and but it's really a little bit difficult I, I you know I wanted to in the murder list the, what came first was actually this is out this sounds so funny and I and I didn't think about it until almost in the midst of the book was when I was a little girl a long time ago I used to watch Perry Mason on TV with my father oh my yeah. stepfather was a, a Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you've seen the reruns, at least. My stepfather was a pretty tough corporate lawyer, and he loved Perry Mason. And my little sister and I were only allowed to watch it with him if we didn't talk. We could, <laughs> we could only talk, not a word, right? We could only talk during the commercials. And during the commercials, we'd say, you know, what does immaterial mean? What does irrelevant mean? Um, oh. And we we learned to yell objection, you know, if our siblings were taking our seats in front of the TV. Anyway, but I did learn, <laughs> even then from Perry Mason, that the police could arrest the wrong person, um, that a bad guy might not be the bad guy if you just learned how to ask the right questions, mm-hmm. that standing up for, you know, that people were innocent until proven guilty. 
and that standing up for the little guy like Perry did um, was a, a valuable part of society and what's and what really made justice work. Um, so that sort of burbled in my soul for a long time. Um, life went on, and I became a television reporter and, wor- and worked in real crime, covered real crime, not just fictional television Perry Mason crime, and we can talk about that too. Mm-hmm. But I eventually married a defense attorney, a criminal defense attorney, and this is the, this is the domino that pushed the murder list into being. He and I were having breakfast one Sunday morning, and um, he was telling me the details of a particularly grisly, scary murder case that he was working on. He was Good defending breakfast. the... Yeah, I know. Well, you know, Hank and Jonathan, this is our breakfast. <laughs> Typical lawyer and reporter, this is what we talk about. Um, so he was representing the defendant in a murder case here in Boston. Mm-hmm. And with one... With one track of my brain, I was listening to the details and the evidence of this case. But with the other track of my brain, I was thinking, you know, what a good guy my husband is. You know, he's sticking up for the little guy. He's making sure the jury believes, understands that someone is innocent until, until proven guilty. He's standing up for the rights of the individual. He's protecting this guy from this supreme power that of the state and the prosecution you know he's such a good guy <laughs> protecting the little guy mm-hmm. and then i started thinking about the prosecutor's wife listening to her husband talk about this case you know on the other side of town um where with every bit of his essence that my husband wants this person to be found not guilty the prosecutor wants him to be put in prison for the rest of his life wow. and did his wife think you know what a good guy he is you know he's protecting the public. He's standing up for law and order. He's making sure the system works. He's keeping criminals off the street. You know, he's protecting all of us, the rights of society. And, you know, what a good guy he is. And then I thought, wait a minute, you know, how how can everybody be the good guy? How can there be good guys on both sides, right? Isn't that so interesting? And so I, th- I wondered whether I could write a psychological thriller and you know the kind of books I write that are mm-hmm. deceptive and manipulative and sort of full of gaslighting and psychological um, back and forth and cat and mouse game stories. Whether I could create a book where the reader could believe that all three main characters were good, but equally believe at some point that if you turn the puzzle over, that on the other side, each of those three characters might also be bad, depending on what they mean is good and what you mean as good, and sort of make the reader be the jury to decide who the good guy is and realize that, you know, is good what you hope it is? Is good what we're told it is? Is there a real ideal that's actually good? And each of us as reader, jurors, would decide in this story um, who really was the good guy um, and who wasn't? So, this is what, you know, so that's where it came from. I mean, I mean, it's a murder mystery, right? It's a, it's right. a psychological murder mystery, and I, you know, I want you to miss your stop on the bus because you can't put it down. You know, I want you to stay up late at night because you can't put it down. But you were successful. <laughs> you were successful good. for that's me. I love hearing that. Good, good, good. Um, I mean, thematically, it's about the essence of good. You know, mm-hmm. plot wise. It, I, we can talk about that as well. Plot-wise, it's a murder mystery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but my books, I, I always like to think of them as kind of Trojan horses that um, you think you're reading one thing, but then you realize inside um, they're actually something else. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of that in this book. I know. I that <laughs> <laughs> I was every every time I turned the page, I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, I was wrong before. Now I'm right. Now I'm wrong." <laughs> you know? Oh, good. Oh, good. I love that. I mean, that's perfect, and that's perfect, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I mean, that's the essence of suspense, isn't it? It's not mm-hmm. only readers. It's not only characters making decisions about what they're going to do but smart readers like you two making decisions about what must be happening in the book. And what I'm trying to do is make that be surprising, but not ridiculous. Right, right. You know, one of the things I loved about getting into the book was that, you know, present question of, you know, who is on the good side, who is on the bad side, and seeing it from both perspectives. And I think for most readers, you're going to have an impression of that, right, prosecution, defense, who's good, who's bad, going into the book just based upon your life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I thought you right away made made the reader question that, and that, that I thought that was a real, uh, real winning part of it. It just drew me in. Uh, thank you. Uh, tremendously. I mean, that is such a huge and... Um, important element of the book, because I do think, I mean, and that's why I picked Rachel North as a law student who's trying to figure out whether she wants to be a defense attorney or a prosecuting attorney. And I do think that if any of us, you know, in our imaginations went to law school and had to decide whether to be um, a defense attorney or a prosecuting attorney, there would be a way that we would lean. Mm -hmm. There would be a way that we would feel was the good guy. Um, and I, I can't agree with you more about that. And I wanted the readers to realize early on in the book that although Jack Kirkland, Rachel North's lawyer husband, is a defense attorney, and Martha Gardner, Rachel North's employer, is a prosecutor, that they each have an element of good in what they're doing. And just as important, they each sincerely and thoroughly believe that they're the good guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that was accomplished. Check. Because yeah, that was check. exactly. <laughs> so right so away, you, you right came away. up with this great idea and, and obviously you executed it brilliantly, but we're wondering how does Hank go about that? Does she write a big outline ahead of time or do you just dive in with an idea? Um, you know, the old, are you a pantser or a plotter type question? <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time I, I, I write a book, and I'm writing in the midst of writing my 12th one right now, um, my 12th published novel, which is mm. so funny to say. Um, every amazing. time I write a book, I think, every time I write a book, I think, I wish I had an outline. And the next time I'm going to do this like a grown up person <laughs> and make an outline. But I don't have time to make an outline now. So I'm just going to pursue this. I'm just going to plow ahead, not knowing what's going to happen. And that has happened every time. Um, I have never made an outline for a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sit down, type chapter one. I have this, you know, you, I had that, you know, the, the vague idea about who's a good guy. I knew I had Rachel, Jack, and Martha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I was going to have this sort of twisty, triple triangle of suspense, that we didn't know who was good and who was bad. And who and the key of a book to me, and I'll tell you the, about the process in one second, but knowing this, that the key of a book for me is not is, 
is what people want and how far they'll go to get it. So mm. I didn't even know that at the beginning. And I, as a reporter, I've been a television reporter for 43 years, which is so crazy. And I'm wow. still on the air at um, Channel 7 here in Boston. And here I thought um, you were only 43 years old when I saw you. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> I love that. Could you write that down and send it to me? Um, <laughs> As a reporter, I'm out looking for the story, right? I don't know the story when I begin because then Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be new. So I think part of my psyche allows me to begin working on a story, researching a story when I don't know what the result of the story will be. I don't know what the end will be. And I think Mm -hmm. when you talk about process, that's the same process that I use in writing a novel. Just like looking for a new story, I'm looking for my story. Mm-hmm. And the only way to find the story um, is to start to write it and see what occurs. Just like when I'm writing for an investigative story for television, I'm doing research and following leads and tracking down clues and doing interviews and talking to people and going places. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing in the book. So only with I your imagination. The, <laughs> yeah, only with my imagination. But, you know, in my books are very realistic. They absolutely could happen, and people do what they would really do. People have the mm-hmm. knowledge and the experience and the access that they would really have. Mm-hmm. So you say, so I say to myself every day, um, what would someone really do? What would Rachel really do? What would Jack really do? What would Martha really do? What mm-hmm. would they think? And what would they care about? And what would they want? So that's what leads me through the process of this story. And that's what gets me to the computer every day is I think, well, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, I yeah. wonder who's going to say what and what they're going to do and how far they'll go. Um, and it surprises me every day. So when people say, mm-hmm. wow, the ending of, of the murder list, you really surprised me. I'm like, yeah. What's that? <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I surprised I myself. Talk about a surprise ending. So, I, I mean, I, and I didn't know how it would end. So, think about that from the standpoint of when people say, "Oh, I really, you know, I saw that coming." I'm like, "You did, because I didn't." You know, <laughs> <laughs> how could you have? How, oh, exactly. that's great. There, that means there's, and when you write without an outline, it means that the foreshadowing is not intentional right? It's mm-hmm. just there because it's true. That's so and interesting. Yeah. yeah, right? So I'm not putting it there to make you think something. I'm putting it there because it's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of woo-woo when you think about it. It is. And I'll be, I'll be is. you know, halfway through the book and think, oh, that's who called. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I that know gives with, me with Kathy and I, like she, she's a plotter and I'm a pantser. And, and, uh-huh. and it's the same thing when I got to the end and then people were like, oh, when that happened, I could see that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen then. <laughs> but that's good You're foreshadowing smart. that You're I put in there. <laughs> right? Right? That's so true. Okay, so Hank, I think we have, I think Christy, right? It's time for the carafe question, don't oh, you think? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so Hank, we have today an imaginary carafe, a oh, wine, empty wine here. carafe. Okay. Oh, good. I'll shake it. Okay. Okay, you shake it. And so we always love to ask kind of a fun, random question out of this wine carafe of questions. Oh, my goodness. Okay. If you <laughs> don't very, like it, I am you... Ter- I'm terrified. I'm terrified. <laughs> no, no. If you don't like it, you can just say pass, and we'll try another one. <laughs> yeah, because some of them okay. may not apply. I don't know. All right, let's see what this one is. Okay. What's the best thing you've ever cooked? 
What's the best thing I've ever cooked? Yes. Oh, oh that's oh, a great this. question. Uh, I am kind of a good cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best, you know, I spent hours and hours making um, Julia Child's French onion soup. Mm. Oh. And it takes a long time because it's just, you have to saute the onions very, very gently. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you cook them too quickly, they don't soften properly and they get brown around the edges and then it's bad and then they taste different. So, and it's just onions and butter and I think leeks, I can't remember, and chicken broth and it, it if you don't know what you're cooking when you're making onion soup do you know how bad it smells yeah I mean, <laughs> right i mean it, it's horrible until someone says oh it's onion soup then mm, delicious then it's, so, oh, and <laughs> it takes hours and i was hours. thinking it must smell so good yeah no it does if you know it's onion soup and then you you cook it for hours and hours and then you put it in separate uh, dishes heavy ceramic dishes and put a toasted piece of baguette on the top mm-hmm. and then you put cover it with parmesan cheese and put it in the oven so the top is all bubbly and crispy with cheese and then this baguette underneath soaks up the onion soup and it's just and the cheese just sub, you know suffuses through the soup it's delicious i'm making myself starving i know i'm like <laughs> um, salivating over here i'm like <laughs> thinking of it it's just it's really really good with a crisp green salad and a wonderful oh, you know prosecco or champagne or white wine mm. um it just it just couldn't be better it takes a long time so you need a lot of patience just like my famous risotto um, I'm also a good risotto maker, and that takes a lot, long time and a lot of patience, too. Maybe because of writing books, I've learned that it takes a while, and you have to work on it, and you have to keep stirring, and you have to be careful, and the littlest bit of change will alter the whole thing, right? Just like writing yep. a book. Yep. So, um well, you, you throw a salad into that with a risotto and the, and the soup. It sounds like a delicious meal. I'm just saying. It's delicious. And they're beautiful. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. When you make something that's, when you make something that's so pretty mm-hmm. um, and it, it's lovely to see, I, I do think that, I mean, I don't want to push this, but writing is a lot like cooking. You have a good idea mm-hmm. and then you put a lot of stuff together to see if it'll work and you take a lot of time and patience with it. Um, and then you get to see the gorgeous end result, and then you get to share it with someone. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. if I made onion soup for myself, it wouldn't be as much fun as if I made onion soup and got to give it to my husband and say, look what I made for you. Yeah. Look what I made for us. And then he says, you know, this is delicious, or, you know, this mm-hmm. is a five-star good book. It It's the same kind of creativity and um, then love that that comes. The same thing as writing a book. So oh, well, I love that you have cooking questions. <laughs> that was great. Okay, yes. so I want to talk about, though, how you get this all done. Yeah. <laughs> now that we know that I'm she's really... doing these real long cooking spells, too. Yeah, like... <laughs> right now especially. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because um, once I started writing fiction, we started eating a lot of carry-out salmon from Whole Foods. (laughs) Cooking was one of the first things to go. You know, my goal is to make a riveting, page-turning novel. The the murder list has gotten so much acclaim and so many wonderful reviews. And the idea of this twisty, turny, triple triangle of suspense 
um, and, and what will happen and who's the good guy. And I love to talk to people about that. So that's really the fuel for me, the idea of having, you know, such a, a suspenseful book that Library Journal calls it a must read that, you know, I, this is, this is, so cooking sort of goes away, sleeping kind of goes away, <laughs> although I love sleeping. Um, <laughs> you, you just begin to focus on the things that are the most important. Um, you know, I haven't really changed the shelf paper in my cabinets for a while. <laughs> you know, there are just uh, some things that you just don't do. But, you, but, know, you know, when you... you're obsessed, when you're compelled to get something done, we're going to do it. Right. You find a way. I don't have any house plants that live. Oh. That's <laughs> I, I can't keep them alive either. I agree. Yeah. You know, and I don't have in anything addition going to. <laughs> in addition to your, you know, your, your, your work as a journalist, your prolific work as a novelist you blog at career authors my favorite by the way oh thank you yeah we love career authors and juggle red and you and you're active on social media and you go to conferences you're a wonderful mentor and teacher to other writers do you have i mean do you have kind of a a set schedule to your day or do you have some productivity secrets or tricks that you would share with us well first of all thank you for the kind words i am really um overjoyed and thrilled that in this half of my life, I get to do this. I mean, who would have thought, I didn't start writing till I was 55. And who would have thought that this whole new second half of my life would be taken up with this incredible dream come true kind of thing. So part of the impetus for me is that I'm just so happy about it. I'm so honored and thrilled about it. From, you know, practically from the standpoint of getting things done, um, I, I set goals that are achievable so I can succeed every day. So instead of saying, oh, I have to write a book, I set a goal of 540 words a day. Actually, my secret goal is 1,000 words a day. But if I hit 540 words a day in writing my first draft, then I think, yes, I win, I succeed. And I know that if I write that many words a day, I'll be done in time to have enough time to edit, to have enough time to make my deadline. So instead of having this free-floating anxiety about, am I ever going to get done? I cut off the piece that I know I can do. I do that. I succeed. And I think I win. I I can do this. And then I do it the next day. I have an incredible number of lists um, (laughs) that tell me the things that I need to do sort of day by day when things need to be done by. And when I, and on the days that I the things that I don't have to do that day, I do not worry about them. I mean, people say to me, where are you going to be next week? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not tomorrow. Oh, that's good advice. Oh. Live in the moment. You see what I mean? I, <laughs> yeah. I know it sounds crazy. but And you have to plan. You know, obviously, I know that I need to have yeah. plane reservations right. made for me, and I need to pack. But I put that on the day that I can do it. So the idea of, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do about X, Y, and Z, which is two months from now, I don't think about that. Mm-hmm. unless it's something that I need to be doing now. Because you can spend a lot of brain time filling up with worrying about things that is going to result in your saying, I'll think about that later. Mm -hmm. So why not just think about that later, but mark it down so you don't forget and then just go on to what you need to do right now. Good advice. That (laughs) That is very good advice. Okay. I have to go back to something you mentioned earlier. When, when I was, um, when we were both at Sleuth Fest actually in 2018, that's where Christy and I met 
in your first session at the morning um, at Sleuthfest, uh, which we was bonded, a, uh, <laughs> we bonded, and it was it was life changing for me to hear you speak. Um, but I rem- I remember you telling the story about how you decided that you were going to write a novel and declared that to your husband. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just thought it was so inspirational to say, I'm going to do this thing. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And your husband was heard you and said yes. And I'm wondering if you could share that story with our listeners. Because it's so well, great. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. I love that story. And um, I remember it. I mean, it was 2000, I think, six, possibly. I remember it so clearly. I had a good idea for a novel. I, I was at Channel 7, long story, but something happened, and I had a great idea for a novel. And I thought, oh my goodness, my book, my book, my book. This is a perfect idea for a thriller. And I came home, and I said to my husband, sweetheart, um, I'm going to write a novel. I'm going to write a mystery. You know, I, I finally have the idea for this book that I've always wanted to write, and I'm going to write this book. And Jonathan <laughs> says, great sweetheart you know he says um but can do you know how to write a book and i said how hard can it be you know i've read a million of these i've been reading these my whole life and i do think that that moment which i which i you know gives me goosebumps to tell you the story because i i remember it so clearly and so does jonathan such a long time ago um but i think part of it was a little bit that i was a little bit naive that i had no idea how hard it would be you know when i say how hard could it be it's like yeah, it could be really hard. But I didn't know that. All I knew was that I had a good idea. Um, and as a journalist, as a reporter, and we all know in all of our lives when we have a good idea, there's a feeling that happens when you have a good idea. You just know it. Um, and how to get to the end of that idea, we don't know that, but we're propelled and impelled and compelled and devoted to doing it. Um, and so there was nothing that was going to stop me from that. Um it took me maybe a year and a little bit more to write the book that turned out to be Primetime that won the Agatha for Best First Mystery, which I still love that book. It's really good, I have to say. It's okay. still selling like crazy. Um, but, you know, th- it was a little bit of, of naivete and a little bit of confidence and a little bit of courage and a little bit of joy, I think, um, that went into it. Because when you have a good idea, you smile, right? You think, yeah, this is <laughs> good. Um, I did, I, I'm going to do this and it's going to work. I mean, as human beings and as creative people, um, this is the thing that gives us the fuel. I always say, if I have one good idea a day, boy, do I win, right? If, if you mm-hmm. had one good idea a day, that's all you need. You can go from there. And then the next day you have another good idea and you succeed. And this is, that's how I think of my life. You know, I, I, I try not to worry um, I, there's that old Frank Zappa thing. I think it's Frank Zappa that said, nothing matters. And what if it does? Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and you, just... you are so, you are so inspirational. That is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and, me and Frank Zappa, right? So, right. Yes. <laughs> I do, I do think coming at the world with joy is the, is the way to do it. And every day pat yourself on the back a little bit and don't forget that you're trying hard and you're doing your best and some days you have a good idea and that's all you, all we can really hope for. That's great. Well, speaking of joy, it has been a complete joy to talk with you. Um, yes. Christy, before we go, I'll turn it over to you. Oh, yes. 
yes, because we um we have one final question that appeases our mysterious foodies out there. That's what we call our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we like to ask this of all the authors, and it is, which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Which of my characters would I like to share a meal with? You know, um, if I can tell you this, well, I was going to, I have two answers because that's a typical Hank thing. My okay. first answer <laughs> is I was, go, I was going to say Ellie Berenson, and you don't know her because she is the character in my newest book that I'm writing right now called The First to Lie. This is breaking oh, news. Cool. The First to Lie, which comes out next August. So I hope you'll invite me to talk to you about that. And Absolutely. I'd love to have dinner with Ellie Berenson, whatever she chooses. Because um, I'd love to know what she's really up to. You know, I'd love to sort of interview her to find out what it is that she really wants. Because right now she's behaving very mysteriously. Um, <laughs> and I haven't quite figured that out. Another character, that, <laughs> another character that I'd love to have to have dinner with is Ashlyn Bryant, who is one of the main characters in my book, Trust Me. Oh, yes. um, she is manipulative. She is deceptive. She has quite um, an agenda, and she's absolutely brilliant at gaslighting. Um, <laughs> and she may be telling the truth. And I'd like to talk with her a little bit more, um, again, about what she's trying to do. That my book, Trust Me, was my first standalone. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of that book, and I, if you haven't read it, I urge uh, you to. We, I'm, yeah, I'm, we I'm actually thrilled. did it on um, our podcast. Last season, we talked about oh, it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that was a big change for me to write a standalone um, and really freeing and, and really amazing. And in The Murder List, you know, I'd love to have Jack and Rachel and Martha all have dinner with me <laughs> and just see what they say to each other. Wouldn't that be fun? Those three, yes. oh my those three are really pieces of work. Um, yep. I'd love to see what really happens. <laughs> you know, when the book is over, when the book is over, you know, our contact, our connection with those characters disappears, but they continue to exist in book world. And I'd love to know what really happens to them. Oh, now what I'm they imagining each other now. Yeah, can't you? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Just to recap, we've been talking to Hank Philippi Ryan, whose award-winning thrillers are some of our favorites, including her latest, The Murder List. And Hank, if our listeners have any more questions for you or want to get some information about you, what's the best way to um, reach out? Oh my goodness, thank you. I'm so pleased you asked me that. Um, I'm on Instagram way too much at, at Hank P. Ryan. And Facebook, <laughs> I know it's terrible, at Hank P. Ryan, and uh, on Facebook at Hank Philippi Ryan Author, and on Twitter at, at Hank P. Ryan. I'm always at Career Authors. I'm always at Jungle Red. You see, now I'm thinking, how do I ever get anything done? I know, right? Um, <laughs> or you can email me from my website, HankPhilippiRyan.com. If you click on Contact on my website, it comes right to me with nobody, no middle person, nobody in between. So I'm, I'm going to see it. So click on contact on HankPhilippiRyan.com, and I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to know what I can do for you or help with help you with or how I can make your life be better and how you like the books. That's so important. You know, next time we should talk about the importance of leaving a review, a good review of oh, a book. Oh, yeah. That is such a major deal these days. Okay, so along those lines, we'd also love to hear from the listeners about this um, Corks and Conversation with Hank. 
And so you can reach us at Twitter or Facebook at GOB Writers. And if you like listening, please subscribe to us so you can listen to our upcoming quirks and conversations with other authors, as well as our regular Game of Books episodes where we pair food, wine, and mystery. New episodes come out every Friday morning, just in time for the weekend. So this is Christy. And Kathy. Saying thanks for listening. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.